Hello, Vibrant Potential Seeker. I'm Dr. Chris Frickman, your host for this little podcast I call Vibrant Potential. Today's episode is special. It's special for a few reasons. First, my guest is the one and only Dr. Phil Maffetone, barefoot runner, health and fitness thought leader, chiropractor and coach to Ironman champions are just a couple of his hats that he wears. The second reason this is a fun episode is because Dr. Phil Maffetone is my first repeat show. Dr. Maffetone's first episode on Vibrant Potential, which is my fourth episode I ever aired, was my most popular show to date with thousands of more downloads than any of my other shows. Since you loved him the first time, I asked him to come back and give us some more great content. The third reason I love this episode is because we go super deep into the heart and mind of Dr. Maffetone today. In part, this is because we already discussed a couple of his specialties on his first show, and I didn't want to throw the same stuff at you. This is an all-new episode. It's also in part due to a new inspiration I have in Sean Cruxton. I've recently been really enjoying his shows over at The Sessions. You can find those on iTunes. His emails are great too. They are so real and vulnerable and at the same time professional and his work really draws you in. Sean was gracious enough to give me an interview a few weeks ago, and I'm releasing his episode next week. Listen in to that show to hear about some of why Sean is upping the bar for me in what I do. My point with this is I'm emulating what I love about Sean's work to the best of my ability, and I hope it brings you more real and raw content. Something a little deeper and something you aren't going to get if you read one of my guests' books or follow them on Twitter. So thanks, Dr. Maffetone, for being real with me. Here's to your vibrant potential. Welcome to Vibrant Potential. We provide you with everything you need to know to overcome stress, fatigue, and chronic health challenges, as well as optimizing your performance in fitness, relationship, and business. We use integrative health solutions and functional medicine strategies, including brain-based approaches, inspired fitness tips, emotional intelligence coaching, and spiritual growth techniques, so you can live the life you want, connect deeply with others, and fulfill your vibrant potential. Your host is functional medicine expert, genetic biohacker, and triathlon coach, Dr. Chris Frickman. Dr. Phil Maffetone, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. It's great to be back again. Yeah, you're actually the... You, uh, you're the first person to be back on my show. I, I've never had a repeat uh, interview so far. Oh, what an honor. Yeah, thank you for doing that. So, um, so I actually, this interview is going to be a little bit different. Uh, so I just want people to know that if they want to check out uh, your, your other interview that, that was on here, they can go to drchrisfrickman.com slash podcast and you can scroll all the way down. You were actually my fourth show, Doctor. So you can go to episode four, and you can hear Dr. Phil talk about, uh, mostly we talked about barefoot running. We got really into deep into that. And then we also talked about uh, some, like the unique way that he approaches heart rate training and how it has to do with fat burning and stuff like that. And uh, I do have a barefoot running question uh, that I didn't ask you last time. Uh, since I've had you on the show, I I had the honor of interviewing a podiatrist from Portland, Oregon, and his name is Dr. Ray McClanahan. And we talked a bit about his approach to running. Uh, he is also a, a very accomplished runner uh, and obviously a doctor. He's a podiatrist. And uh, he is a, a huge fan of being... Uh, barefoot, helping people to go barefoot and, and, and 
honoring our physiology and our structure. And uh, But he has a little bit different background in that uh, because he was in podiatry and, and learning how to do surgeries and things like that, and, and part of his background, he ended up uh, working for uh, an orthotics company. And so he had this like background of that. And we, we get into that in that show too. Uh, and actually, if you want to listen to that show, you can go to drchrisfrickman.com slash correct toes. And... So that's kind of an interesting one too. But what I wanted to ask you, because to me, you're like the icon of barefoot running in, in my in my head at least. That's you're the first person I had heard about it from years ago. And so I just wanted to ask you if uh if you know Dr. Ray or his work and if you know about correctos. I do know Dr. Ray. He's a great guy, uh very knowledgeable. Um, diverse background, which is uh, always helpful wherever you're, you're um, wherever you are in your career. And I've recommended Correctos because they they help people. Um, oh, nice! And so um, I, you know, I I think um, the the way people have abused their feet during their lifetime, even even young people. Uh, I've, I've seen, I've seen people who are 17, 18, 20 years of age who have gone through periods of wearing shoes that didn't fit well, uh, shoes that, uh, you know, kids, especially sometimes you don't realize how fast their feet are growing. And, um, you know, after a while you realize, Hey, the, you know, this foot's been in a, a tight shoe for, for six months. Those things really add up in terms of stress on the feet and you can distort the toes quite easily and um uh so what what correct toes will do is help help get those uh joints more spread out rather than jammed together and um but you still have to wear the right shoes and you still have to spend time being barefoot otherwise your muscles uh, don't develop in ways that you want them to develop so that your feet are working well throughout your entire life. Right on. Okay, cool. I, I, the, the correct toe thing was actually new for me a couple of months ago. So I've actually been trying them out a little bit myself. I do some barefoot running, uh, but in the winter in Minneapolis, I don't do much outside. <laughs> so uh, I do wear shoes and, and um, I've been experimenting with different different shoes and a wider toe box and stuff. And I'm barefoot inside a lot, but I actually, uh, I have been enjoying the benefits of these correct toes. And um, I, I really liked Dr. Ray's approach, and I just thought I would get your opinion about it too. So that's that's great to hear that, that you're. Yeah, and I think um, there, you know, I have a pair of uh, five fingers right now, which sure. I'm I'm kind of breaking in. Uh, I ran with them uh, yesterday, and they're they're just fabulous. Um, you you want to transition into those, but they also, uh, for those who don't know what they are, they are like a like a glove for the feet where Mm -hmm. each toe goes into its own little slot Mm -hmm. and they, you know, they are also a good way to keep the toes, um, from jamming together. And, um, but, uh, it's, it's very important. You know, our feet are, are the foundation for our body. And, And if we have a problem in the feet, then, the brain becomes aware of that and tries to adjust the whole body to adapt to those foot problems, those foot imbalances, whether there's pain or not. Quite often there is not pain um, early on in a, in a dysfunctional foot, but yet there's imbalance there. The brain recognizes it and tries to adapt, and so we, we move the brain uh, adjusts by moving the entire body in different ways, and our our spine may bend more one way than the other. Our hips may um, not be lined up just right because that's how the brain adapts, and the feet can can do quite a bit. So take care of them. Amen. And one more question about that: I'm wondering 
over the years, uh, you're a chiropractor, uh, mostly retired at this point, but over the years, have you found any exercises, like corrective exercises that you like to help? Uh, you have people, patients use, athletes, because you're also a coach. H- have you ever had any exercises that you like people to do? Or is it more like, oh, just try to transition into barefoot? Well, for years, many years, I used a variety of exercises, mostly based on the needs of the patient. Um, so if they were, for example, uh, with their foot, their bare foot flat on the ground, if they could not push their big toe into the ground while the rest of their toes are held up, you know, we could all almost all push all our toes into the ground at once. But if you can isolate your big toe, then certain muscles are working well. But if not, uh, those, you know, that muscle that that pushes the big toe into the ground is not working. It's a very valuable muscle for foot function. And so if that was the case, then we'd have them uh, do that for several minutes, uh, twice a day, for example, to re-enlist the activity of that muscle. And the variety of, of imbalances that are associated with different exercises. And so I would do a lot of those with patients uh, for years. And I started realizing that if they just walked barefoot, they would accomplish all of these exercises all of the time and it would just make it easier and more more complete really as an exercise and so um i still i still will isolate uh, a, a muscle uh, a specific exercise for a, an individual athlete who has a more obvious problem temporarily but um that that barefoot therapy is just an incredible thing and and works wonders for all the muscles got it i'm going to transition here uh without too much of a segue but uh, i want to ask you about a few things and and there's a reason i'm going to get to this uh but you're i want to talk to you briefly about your your what we call the mafetone methodology and um actually you have an app that's coming out too uh, by the time this uh, by the time this interview goes live, it may actually be available at the time that we're recording this. We're looking at probably a month out before you can download it from the Apple Store and all those good places. Um, but I think people would rather hear you talk about it than me. But can you talk about the Maffetone methodology as well as as what the app has to do with that? Sure. MAF stands for maximum aerobic function, and it's a it's a way to build the body's health and fitness together. Um, many people, athletes, for example, try to build up their fitness, become faster or better at at their sport, and quite often they they leave their health behind. They they literally sacrifice their health for more fitness. And that's just unacceptable because in the end, you're not going to be as good an athlete and you're going to be unhealthy and um, uh, that's, that's not acceptable. Um, and then there are people who, who focus on their health uh, almost obsessively and then forget that they have to move and, and um, be physically active because that's a, that, that aspect of fitness really complements health. So that has been, uh, and, and the aerobic system is really the um, the forgotten system of the body. Everybody's familiar with the digestive system, the nervous system, and the hormonal system. The aerobic system kind of ties everything together. It it incorporates a lot of our muscle fibers, the aerobic muscle fibers, which support our joints, support the ligaments and tendons, and even other muscles. Um, the aerobic system also is very much involved with the immune system. In those aerobic muscles are a lot of activity of the antioxidants. We think about antioxidant nutrients as being important for aging and so forth, which they are. But the place they work is in those aerobic muscle fibers. Um, the Aerobic muscle fibers also burn fat for energy. 
they they take stored fat and convert it to energy. So if we don't have enough energy or if we have too much body fat, we should look at the aerobic system as being not as functional as it should be. Um, and for an athlete, this is important because uh, especially for uh, runners and triathletes and cyclists and others who are involved in endurance sports, the vast majority of one's race is based on aerobic energy. In, in a marathon, for example, 99% of the energy we use to run a marathon comes from the aerobic system. So the idea of maximum aerobic function came came early to me. And um, so the diet, the exercise, the lifestyle factors that, that uh, I pull together are all based on improving the aerobic system. And that's, in a nutshell, what the MAF uh, method is. Um, early in my career, I would, I would um, ask patients a lot of questions to assess them. I would um, uh, evaluate their diet. I would uh, do different things. And then I started writing articles, and then I started writing books. And it just led, um, led me to, to continue my original path, my original passion, which was to help people. And it's turned into an app. And what the MAF app does is essentially do what I did when I was sitting one-on-one -on -one with a patient. It asks you a lot of questions, and based on your answers, it drives the process um, in different ways. It gives you a report about risk factors. It gives you recommendations based on your um, risk factors, uh, including dietary recommendations, exercise suggestions, and so on and so forth. And so it's a very... Um, it's a very it's a very user friendly app, but it's a very serious app uh, that's fun to use, and it's really an app that enables the user to manage their own health and fitness, and and that's what it's all about. You know, the word doctor means teacher, and we can we can teach our patients um, one on one. We can teach them through writing articles and books. But ultimately, it's up to the patient to manage their own health with this information. And that's that's the whole idea of the app. In the app, is there a lot of self-quantification stuff like monitoring heart rate variability and you know blood pressure and whatever things? We'll have more and more of that. We have a little bit now. So you'll you'll be given you'll be asked a, a series of questions, and then uh, it'll tell you, here's a heart rate you should exercise at if you want to build both health and fitness. Um, we'll measure a uh, resting heart rate. Uh, there, there are a variety of, of things in there that um, people will be able to do. You'll be able to exercise with your heart monitor uh, and, and either put that information into your iPhone or carry your iPhone with you, which I'm surprised so many people do that. Mm. Um, I don't, but, um, and it'll talk to you. It'll tell you you're not warming up as uh, as slowly as you should, or your uh, heart rate is exceeding that level that we recommended, and uh, so on and so forth. So it's it's um, it's been a very fun project, and um, I, I think it's the next step in the in this digital world that enables people to manage their health and fitness. Very cool, and. And just really quick, I want to I, I wanna just go ahead and mention, and again, you can go to drchrisfrickman.com slash drphilmaffetone if you want to listen to a little bit more in-depth on this. But just for people listening to this one, I really want you to know that this is, if you're into athletic performance and you want to run fast or perform well at, at your given sport, this is not just... Uh, for someone that uh, isn't interested in 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 racing, uh, Dr. Maffetone has helped to coach some world class athletes and and actually uh, Ironman tr uh, champions even. And so these like you can people have gotten down, gosh, what like five minute mile pace uh, and still still in you know what people might call like. A zone two kind of an effort. Yeah, it's basically that 
uh, here is your submax heart rate that it will best develop your aerobic system. And for example, you know, based on your age, based on your health, and based on your fitness and your 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 past history, your let's say your heart rate is 150 as the recommended submax heart rate, the MAF heart rate as we call it. Um, you may go out and if you're a runner, uh, start running and find that you can't run faster than nine minutes a mile, yet you've been running eight minutes a mile every day in training. And so you have to slow down to, to let your aerobic system to catch up. And over time, you'll start running 845 pace, then 830, 815 pace. And maybe a few months later, you're now back to eight minute pace, but you're running at a much lower heart rate. Um, at the same pace, and then you'll just keep going. And I, I have seen people continue to get faster and faster down into the five-minute range um, because that's, uh, you know, they, they've been disciplined enough to do that. And, of course, every time your submax heart rate improves, every time that MAF heart rate gets faster or you can push more power, depending on how you're, you know, what you're measuring, you'll perform better. There's a, a relationship. And as a matter of fact, studies show that the the predictive value of a submax heart rate is much more uh, valid than relying on time trials or previous races or that anaerobic type of type of uh, um, workout or, or race. Uh, and so you know that basically that reflects the development of the aerobic system got it awesome thank you so again uh funny little no segue uh change here and i'm going to ask you one of your i think your latest book that i'm from if i'm right uh if i can call it a book i'm not sure if it's in paper or just on kindle but uh you wrote the million dollar marathon Oh yes, <laughs> that that was my yes that was my uh, just came out in Kindle. That was my first my very first work of fiction, and it's about a Tibetan shepherd who would run his flock every morning into the mountains, the high meadows, and uh, uh, would um, <clears throat> spend a lot of time during the day running through the mountains and watching his flock and then run them back home at the end of the day. And, uh, I won't give too much away, but, um, he escapes Tibet and, uh, finds his way into India and he escapes by running across the Himalayas and, and, um, avoiding the border guards and other things. And, and, um, it, it was by far the, the most fun, writing I have ever done in my life. Nice. I, I, I always thought about uh, fiction. I, I have a wild imagination, and I always would think up these stories. And I would, for years, I would take notes thinking, okay, I'll, someday I'm going to go back and do fiction writing. And when I began writing the book 159, which is a couple of years old now, um, about breaking the two-hour marathon, I thought, I'm going to write a, f a fictional account of a runner who, who can break the two-hour mark and what it would take and what kind of qualities would this person have. You know, we all think of the East Africans as being these great um, runners, the greatest runners, and certainly at the moment that's the case. But those, those of us that have been around in the community, been around the running community for, for decades know that it seems like we've gone from, oh, Finland has the best runners to Japan. They have the best runners because they're so disciplined. Oh, the Americans, you know, pop up once in a while as having the best runners. And, uh, you know, then it's this part of the world and that part of the world. And today it's the, it's the East Africans. Um, in a few years, it'll be some other group. And they'll say, oh, these are the best runners of the world because of whatever. Um, so I, I kind of started writing this profile of this Tibetan, uh, guy that, that 
didn't even know what a marathon was. And I got two or 3,000 words in, and I said, this, this is kind of silly. What am I going to do with this you know, chapter? So I, <laughs> I, I talked to a couple of people, showed it to a couple of people, and they said, wow, this is amazing. You wrote this? <laughs> and um, uh, Chris McDougall was one, and he, he encouraged oh, me really? to write, you know, write this as a separate entity, even though I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and so I, I kind of put it aside, and when I finished 159, um, I came back to it and got into it, and just I just had so much fun with my wild Im- imagination. That's awesome. And um, and it you know, and it turned out to be what it is. It turned out to be longer than a short story, but not a novel, and they call it a novella. Sure. And um, it it uh, can you get it in paper? I didn't see it. It's not yet available in okay. paperback, but it will be in a couple of months. Okay, cool. Um, and you can go on to Amazon and look up the book and read the first um, two or three thousand words. Maybe <laughs> uh, it, there, there's uh, you know you're allowed to read some of that. Sure. Um, and I think I've seen. Uh, uh, on on the on the what's the website? Um, gosh, I can't remember. They they put the first chapter um, up there, um, but it's it's it was a lot of fun and and um, it, those those of you who read fiction, uh, this is a this is a wonderful read. I'm told. Well, I'm I'm very interested in reading it. I I can't. I, I'm going to check out the first page or two or three on on Amazon, but I, I don't, I can't get myself to read entire books on like Kindles and, or screens. I still, I'm old school. I, I like books, um, with paper. So I'm going to wait till it comes out on paperback, but I, I can't wait for that. Actually. It sounds, it sounds like a lot of fun. It is. And, and, and a lot of people, um, do that. I don't, I, I don't read fiction. I, I've, I've actually never read a fiction book. What? You've never read a fiction book? No, and that's one of the reasons why I didn't write fiction until now. Because I, I you know, when I was in practice, I had I had a bunch of authors, some of them uh, well known, whose names I forget because I don't read fiction. But I would always say, you know, I have these fiction ideas. How should I go about doing that? And they would all say the same thing. They would all say, "You've got to read all the classics." And you've got to read a lot of different people to help develop your style, you know, and on and on and on. And so I just thought, okay, I'm well, that's someday, the college professor answer. Yeah, I think I think that's what it is. And I thought, okay, someday I'll do that, and then I'll, you know, m- develop my style or whatever. I don't know. And um, but it didn't happen. Um, but a lot of people um, like to have the paper. Um, and I think I'd probably probably be in that category, although I read technical articles much better on the computer. Um, I used to get a, a ton of medical journals every month um, through the the post office. Sure. And um, I don't get any anymore because I can see them all online and I read them better. Uh, my comprehension is better. I don't know what it is, but... Uh, um, yeah, well, uh, you know, I, I guess I'd agree. I mean, uh, with like sh- with things that are short, like less than five mm-hmm. pages or something like that. I mean, you know, a blog post or even a even a medical journal or something. Uh, it's short, and you can just digest it really quick. As a, but like, if yeah. I want to sit down with a book, whether it's fiction or not, honestly, like right now, I'm reading a lot of Katie Bauman's books. I pretty much got fascinated with her podcast and just bought all of her books and none of them are fiction, uh, at least to my knowledge, not the ones I have. And they're, they're about, you know, things that people I'm interested in, but a lot of people might not be one of them. The, her big one is move your DNA, but, um, Mm -hmm. there's another one about core and stuff. It's called, uh, man, I don't even remember how to pronounce it. Diasticus recti or something. I, I'm not even saying it quite right, but, um, but I mean, I bought those in paper too. I mean, I just like having the paper thing there if, if it's a book, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm also, 
I can't uh, believe bit- you've never read any fiction. That's that's crazy, man. <laughs> I know, that, and that's what people say to me. Uh, people who read fiction say that. <laughs> and, uh, and Everybody's read some fiction, I thought. I don't know. Um, you know, in in well, I'm I'm also surprised that a lot of athletes do not read fiction, hmm. and so it seemed based on the on the feedback, the early feedback, um, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting uh, a whole new audience with this fiction book, which is interesting. And I'm also getting an audience that are not necessarily competitive athletes. Right, right. They're, they're people who know what the marathon is, but you don't, you don't have to be um, a hardcore runner to read this book. It, it does go into marathon splits here and there, um, but which which a marathoner would would better understand, but not not necessary to be a marathoner or even be a runner. Right, right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going here, and I'm gonna I'm just gonna mention really briefly that uh, that you're a songwriter and you've you've done like um, obviously some of you know guitar and singing and stuff like that, and. I, a bunch of other stuff <laughs> and it's like i'm struggling because uh we're at the 28 minute mark here and i definitely want to keep this under an hour but y- you've done so many different things uh may i ask your age uh you could ask sure would I, you would you <laughs> would you honor us with an answer if not I, that's okay I'll actually- I, I wouldn't because people you know I have this thing about age. Of course, I talk about physiological versus chronological age. Well, that's kind of my point, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think we w- there's so many things in life we can do to, to be younger. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw someone recently I hadn't seen in a few years, and, and he kind of stopped me mid-sentence and, and said, um, are you getting younger? yeah yeah so i think i think when we hear um or when we remind ourselves of our chronological age it's kind of a disservice because we have an image we had we've had an image since the earliest since our earliest memories Mm. you know when you when you hear the word um as an example when you hear the word grandfather Mm -hmm. and i have 13 grandkids um, you you picture some guy walking with a cane with a bent spine, um, and that's not me. Right, right. And I, you know, I, I live my life in a way that uh, keeps my physiological age a lot younger than my my um, chronological age, and I I, I want to keep it that way. And that's my answer. <laughs> that's, that's great, man. I, and actually, I mean, I just want to make sure I'll just say it in case it's, it's not super obvious. I respect and honor you so much. And th- this is actually why I'm asking this question is, is because I, I just want people to know, you know, we don't need an exact number. I want it, but I want people to know you're, you're, you're old enough that most people wouldn't go back and write a novella, a fictional novella, if they haven't ever even read fiction, for example. And, and I, I, what I'm trying to hit on is, is you've, you, know, you, you were a chiropractor. I mean, you actually had a job before that, and, and you decided that you'd go back to school to be a chiropractor. Uh, you were an accomplished runner, a songwriter. Uh, you've been a family man. And I just, I feel like you've you're you're kind of the the Renaissance man or the multi potentialite. You you're someone that's that's always kind of uh, kind of following your well. I, I don't know what other word to use, but passion. It just seems like you're passion. Always- yeah, passion is, is the word. Um, and thank you. You know, my <laughs> when I travel, my my big fear is sitting next to someone on an airplane who in kind of in the middle of the the flight turns to me and says hi i'm joe i'm an accountant what do you do (laughs) that's your biggest fear (laughs) that's my biggest fear um you know what do i say and i i I really 
and that happens all the time. And maybe I bring it on myself. I don't know. You know, sometimes I say I'm a songwriter because I am engulfed in this music career that um, is fairly new. I, I woke up in 2003 uh, and decided I would be a songwriter. I had all this music in my head. I loved music. I grew up in the 60s, so I knew how powerful music was. You've never listened to a song in your life, but <laughs> <laughs> I've decided listened, to start writing songs. Yeah, I, I, I listened to a lot of songs, but it was, it was you know, um, I, I think it was in college that I realized that the music I had in my head, a lot of it was, was original music because uh, by then I had, I had heard what I thought was everything. And I kept saying, gee, that song is really nice, but I never heard it before. Where, where did it come from? And so, you know, you, you follow your passion and um, you, you jump from one thing to another. But, you know, as much as I've jumped from one thing to another, there's some common, um, there's some common denominators. There's a common thread uh, one of those common threads is that I, I um, learned long ago that I wanted to help people. And so much of my adult life I've spent helping people in, in many different ways. And when I got into music, I, I was kind of at the peak of my professional career uh, with patients and, and working with athletes. And the feeling was so profound that I dropped all of that professional career I had a great lecture circuit that I was doing and you know I I I I wound out of that very quickly because I realized that in order to become the songwriter I wanted to be I had to I had to get on a fast track to learn that process and and it didn't take long for me to realize that I had made the right decision because I started hanging out with songwriters and really good musicians and industry people. And they all had the same story. You know, I, I started playing guitar when I was nine years old and right. I would skip school and go to my friend's house and we'd play music all day, you know? And I just thought, well, gee, I, I've got to find some shortcuts here because I'm obviously way past that stage. So uh, following your passion is, is really one of the ways you can stay younger. And I think that's, that's sort of a, a bottom line answer in that, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things we can do. We can eat well, we can exercise, we can move, we can avoid uh, as many physical, biochemical, mental, emotional stresses as possible. But we all have passions and too many people suppress them and um, avoid them. And it, I, I've seen too many people also who had a job that they hated and thought, okay, I've got to work this job and then I can retire and I can do all these things. And then what happens is they become disabled or they die when they retire. And that's just, life's too short. Mm. There's too much to do. Yeah, for sure. Vibrant Potential is all about living your best life. And so that's what I'm trying to to kind of dig out here. And and you just said a mouthful for sure. Um, I just saw the, the Latin root for consistent. The word consistent in Latin means standing together. And so I, th I found it interesting that, that you kind of like wrapped all these things up that you've done in wanting to help others. So it's mm -hmm. still even though they look very different from the outside for your heart, it is something that is kind of in it's uh, consistent and it's in integrity with, with who you are. Right. Even, even the music. Um, I, I thought, okay, I'm changing careers now. I'm going into music and being selfish, but that's what I want to do. Um, it didn't take me long to realize, and it happened during, I was helping with a, in, in, uh, in EEG, um, study where uh, we were measuring brain waves uh, of someone, and and I realized that a, a song that I had just recorded improved the 
brainwave output on this person in such an incredible way. And I said, oh, I didn't change careers. I'm just adding more music to what I'm doing, uh, what, I, what I've been doing and what I will be doing, and, and just another part of the process. Absolutely. I'm, I'm a fan of Marie Forleo. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but she's one, one of her big things is that she, she has something called B-School, where she helps people mm-hmm. basically start their own business and be successful in that and stuff. And it's, it's good uh, if, if that's what you're looking for. And she says something about being selfish that probably other people have said too, but she's, she's the one I heard it from. Uh, what's best for you? Like you need to give up feeling guilty about being selfish because what's best for you is what's best for people around you. Because if you're following your, now I'm, I'm totally paraphrasing now. I'm, I'm kind of ad-libbing here, but basically if you're following your passion, you're, you're going to be your best self. And so the world and your community, your family, everyone around you, they're going to sort of reap the benefits of being around a, just a, a very alive person, a very amazing person. And we're all amazing, but, but, but when you're living it, uh, then your community gets to, to reap the benefits. So, yeah, well, well put. And, and it's, it's a, a, a very important thing. And, and, you know, part of that is, um, and this is a thing that I, I learned many, many years ago, fortunately, and I've, I've, I've gotten derailed a couple of times, uh, because I've not abided by it just right. But I, I learned to not do things I'm not good at. And, and, and to, to follow in following your passion, you generally have things that, um, you're good at or that you're willing to become good at. Like, um, like following your God given gifts or talents kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't know anything about music. I, I, I didn't, uh, you know, I grew up in the sixties and everybody it, who grew up in the sixties can strum three chords on the guitar. And so that was my limitation. I didn't know anything about really playing, couldn't play the piano, couldn't, didn't know anything about songwriting. But the passion was there, and I was willing to learn something I didn't know anything about to get to that point where I wanted to be. But there are a lot of things that I, I just avoid doing uh, because I'm not good at them. And um, we have a society that is counter to that. We're, we're taught that we have to toil over our taxes every year, even though we hate it. And even though we don't really know what we're doing, well, source that out, you know, spend a couple of dollars on, on, you know, getting somebody else to, to do that and use your energy more wisely doing things that you're passionate about, which then become things that will help other people. Well, what if you're only passionate about guitar and you don't like to exercise? Should you still have physical activity? Well, that's a that's a a social fault that we have uh, gotten into in our society. We, you know, society encourages us to eat bad food and sit in front of a screen the whole day. Um, that's. Uh, quite different than a person in a natural environment who will tend to move in a very uh, healthy way. And so we have, to, we have to look at these things and people who mature eventually realize that, gee, this is, you know, it's not good sitting in front of the screen all day. I need to go out for a walk. So, um, you know, there, it, it, it's about nature and being natural. And when we're natural, um, we have these intuitions and instincts and they lead us to do the things that are healthier for us. Hmm. Interesting. I'm, I'm playing the devil's advocate here a little bit, but I'm thinking about people that, I mean, I, I'm, I'm switching my, my stance a little bit, not because it's actually, I'm switching my stance, but just because I want to explore this. But, uh, so you said you were talking about like the, 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 the benefits of, of doing what you're good at and kind of leaving alone some of the stuff you're not good at. And 
in some ways I'm a fan of that, but how do we know, uh, do you have a way that you know what things are still important? Uh, and I mean, my my example, I guess, is I know some fabulous people that, that don't like to, you know, they're not good, quote unquote, at athletics. Um, all, all humans are good at athletics. Um, no, they're not necessarily good at sports. A given sport, you know. I mean, right? They're not. They're not. They may not. They may not finish in the top ten in a marathon, or whatever sport. Um, but all all humans are naturally oriented to physical activity. It's in our genes, and if we're if we're taught at an early age to not do that, then then that's the problem. We, we've been given bad information uh, by society. And, and we could say the same thing about eating healthy food. Uh, you know, it's, it's not good to hit ourselves on the head with a hammer. But if we're taught to do that early in life, we do that. Hmm. And um, so we have, we have an unnatural environment that we've created um, just recently, I mean, just in, in the last few hundred years, we've created a very unnatural, unhealthy environment, and people have gone astray. And it's it's very sad to see that. And I, I see myself, uh, along with you, and there's there are people out there who are trying to say to uh, their audiences, hey, you know, there's a better way to do that. There's a more natural way to do that. And if you do follow that natural path, you'll be healthier and you'll get younger and it'll be a more enjoyable life. Would you say that you more think about your life in terms of your creating your life? Or would you more say that you sort of like to allow things to happen and, and kind of follow where the universe leads you, that kind of thing? Do you have one more than the other? I think they're one and the same. I, I oh, you know, we, we all make decisions. Uh, I'm a naturalist, so I believe in nature. And we also have a decision-making process, and we sometimes make bad decisions, which we learn from. But we, we choose our path, and we, we follow it and choose to pick another one, if that's the case, um, for whatever reason, but I think, uh, sure, we create our own our own life, and along the way, there are uh, not not just decisions, but there are um, things that that happen. People that help us. You know, when I woke up that day to become a songwriter, I, I just I paced for for three days, thinking about. Gee, I'm gonna. I've got to drop this career, and I got over that pretty quick. But I paced, wondering what a songwriter does. And on the fourth day, I got a call from Rick Rubin, who, if you were going to become a songwriter and you can choose anyone in the world in the music industry to work with, you would probably choose George Martin, and he unfortunately just died recently the producer of the Beatles, but Rick would be, Rick would be the guy. Um, and, and here he's calling me to, to consult with me. And I said, well, you know, I, I don't do that anymore because I just became a songwriter. And it, it was kind of a funny conversation and we agreed that he would help me and I would help him. And so those kinds of things come up, um, all the time, especially if we allow them, to, to come up and um, but we 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 make our decisions we choose our our directions and we work our way through life and um, having fun that's that's a big part of it but uh, for me the passion of helping people has has remained and I I focus on that quite a bit would you consider yourself successful Um, that's a good question. We'd have to define success. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, 
when you ask anyone that uh, today, it's always about money. Have you made a lot of money? Mm. And I've, I've not made a lot of money because the things I wanted to do were counter to that. So when I was in practice, I spent a, I spent a lot of time with patients. I wanted to educate people. And um, you can't make a ton of money if your approach is to spend a lot of time with each patient unless you charge astronomical fees, um, which I, I didn't. So the focus was always on uh, having a successful outcome with each patient rather than make a lot of money. So, and then when I was in the peak of my career and decided to be a songwriter, um, losing all that income didn't help any. Mm. Um, and I have made some money on my music. Uh, I've got six albums now. Um, um, now, now that you and Katy Perry are releasing your new song, your new album, that's all going to be a thing of the past, though. Yeah. I'm, you know, <laughs> what, that first conversation I had r- with Rick, he, he, sort of, he sort of said, well, what, what are your goals? And I said, well, I've got three goals. I want to I wanna write better music continuously. Better than is, better than the last song that you wrote, or better yeah, than what else is out there. Always, always creating something that's that's the best song you've ever written, and and that's been happening. Um, and I want to continue to have fun with it, which which has certainly been the case. The the you know the fiction book was was a whole lot of fun, but writing a song, um. Is is on, and I think the I think the music actually helped me write the fiction piece. <sighs> and the third goal was to have other people record my music. Um, and I haven't had that big hit yet um, that a big recording artist would have. You know, most of the songs we hear um, are are not written by the people who perform them, so they rely on songwriters. And um, the industry has really gone astray, and don't get me started on that. But um, <laughs> you know, uh, my I, I don't write music for people to record. That's a different kind of songwriter. That's like having a nine to five job in a music company where you're in a, a sterile office and you go into a uh, a boardroom and you sit with three other people and. Um, you know, the producer comes in and says, um, you know, Big Joe uh, wants to sing a song about uh, his little kitty and um, it needs to be, uh, you know, two minutes and 42 seconds long and you've got to get to the chorus in a minute and 36 seconds and blah, blah, blah. I, I've, I've been offered those jobs, but um, what a terrible thing to do to your brain. Mm. So... Gosh, have we gotten off course? No, no, we're not off course at all. No, not at all, actually, because because um, the whole the whole thing that I'm that I'm trying to sort of unearth here um, and explore with you f- uh, for the benefit of others uh, and myself is, I mean, you are such a creator. And and I re- I just I feel like everybody has that that spark in them, you know, mm-hmm. and and so many like you said earlier on, so many don't find it. They allow it to sort of slip away, and and um, and so we're not, of course, at all because what you're talking about is y- you have to pursue your passion. <laughs> Exactly. You know, the the human brain is this glob of creativity. And we we recognize it when we're younger. We see it in children. Children are, are, you know, they're always in their brain. They're always creating things. And then when they go to school, they're, you know, that creativity is often suppressed. Yeah. Stop creating things. Sit yeah. there in a Pay line attention. and do this the way and, I tell you to. Yeah. Yeah. And what what a disservice to humanity. And I'm not saying anything bad about teachers. Uh, oh I'm, no, not the humans, right? But it's yeah, it's the, the system, system that we're it, in is and everybody knows that, but nobody wants to do anything about it. And then when we graduate from high school or college, 
we're done. Our creative brain, you know. If you're creative is, at that point, it's in spite still of creative, what you've, yeah. if it's yeah. in spite of what you've been through, unfortunately. Yeah. So I think using using your brain and its creative process, um, and and we, you know, our our brain um, peaks at an old age if it's healthy. We we don't peak at age twenty one like we do on a physical level. Our brain and its activity um, peaks way way later. So we should still keep getting better and better at the things we do. And I I've I'm fortunate enough to be able to see that. I I I write better today than I've ever written. Um, my music is better than it's ever been. Um, uh, on all levels, you know, and part of that is experience. But the brain, when you keep it healthy, um, just continues to evolve through our through our lives, mm. and that's what you know. That that's very much connected with passion and and following your passion is that you've got a new passion because you've got a new brain. Every day we have a new brain. We make connections between neurons based on our experiences, based on our memories, based on this amazing creative process where we now have a new brain today. And what is my new brain going to do today? I often think that when I wake up in the morning. What is my brain going to do today? I can't wait to find out. (laughs) (laughs) I love talking with you, man. Thank you so much for sharing this kind of deep stuff with people. This is fun. You know, people usually ask me about the function of the toes or the you know what what happens in the pancreas when we eat bad food or which is fun <laughs> to do as well and we you know yeah people, for sure for sure but this is um this is this is a, a lot of fun so what is your number one health tip for people uh today um boy it, it really can can vary um from day to day, uh, partly depending on the influence that I see in emails and uh, article ideas I come up with and this and that. But I wrote a piece um, a couple of months ago that's on the website, um, and it's about creating a healthy society. Mm. Uh, you know, we have, a, we have a problem where 75% of the people on Earth are either overfat or they have an overfat metabolism. Um, and, and when you consider how many people have other problems, it leaves a small number of healthy people, which is really sad. So how do we turn that around? What can we do? And we can talk about uh, all the kind of things that we've been talking about here. We can talk about uh, the details of nutrition and physical activity and stress and this and that. But, you know, you'll put a lot of people to sleep when you delve into all those issues. Mm-hmm. Um, give me one thing I can do right now that will make me a lot healthier in a very short period of time. That's easy. And that's what I did with this article. I kind of w- whittled it down to, um, you know, what are the key components of um, what, what, are the, what are the common problems in all the people that are unhealthy, for example, and what are the uh, reasons for the, the, um, the poor health and poor fitness that we see, et cetera, et cetera. And he, here comes the key recommendation. This will give you the most for your buck um, quickly. Hold it's, on, hold on. Let me let me grab a couple of uh, drumsticks here. We got a drum roll here. Here it comes. <laughs> take take notes because you don't want to forget this. Okay. <laughs> it's to avoid refined carbohydrates. Avoid sugar. All that white flour you eat turns to sugar. So it's really stop eating sugar. That's refined carbohydrate. It's junk food. Um if you do that, your metabolism will change after two meals. That's how fast it will give you a positive effect. And it will help your brain immensely. You know, we, we um, 
not just develop a new brain all the time, but we really build a, a new body on a regular basis. All our cells replace themselves, and uh, after so many years, we have a new body. Well, what an opportunity to be an incredibly healthy person moving forward. And, and one habit, just eliminating sugar, eliminating uh, refined carbohydrates. So uh, all those cereals, breads, uh, bagels, uh, pasta, uh, those junky energy bars, the sports drinks, the, you know, people, everyone knows what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. St- stay away from that and replace it, more importantly, with healthy food. Fruits and vegetables, uh, meats and eggs, and wh- whatever um, you're inclined to eat. And there's plenty of healthy food to replace the junk food with. And as a result, you'll get more nutrients and you won't um, trash your metabolism, which is what happens when you eat the sugar. Um, and like I said, the effects kick in after two meals. So that's, that's the recommendation. Perfect. I love it. All right, people, you can find him on Facebook. You can find him on Twitter, at Dr. Phil Maffetone. You can go to his website, philmaffetone.com. You can go to the show notes for this page, which will be drchrisfrickman.com slash, what do we call this one? Passion. All right. I like it. Dr. By the Chris- way, I, I, we have a new website, which is philmaffetone.com, but in creating the new website, um, I, I thought it would be better if I separated my music because it used to be all together in one big jungle. Mm, mm. And so my music site now is separate, which is much better. It's maffetonemusic.com. Nice. Okay. Awesome. So you can check out maffetonemusic.com as well. And... If you go to drchrisfrickman.com slash passion, I will have all the show notes as well as links to all of those places that you can find Dr. Maffetone. Dr. Maffetone, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. There you have it, folks. Dr. Maffetone at his most sincere Now, Dr. Maffetone is always a pretty darn sincere guy, and so am I. And we all get caught up in life, whatever we're doing. Today's inspired action invite is for you to evaluate your life for integrity. I'm not talking about some sort of ethical or moral philosophy when I say integrity. What I do mean is look for a wholeness, a completeness in your life in how you're showing up for others. Are you one person at your job and a completely different person at home? Would your sister recognize you if she happened to see you out on the town? If your grandma heard you say that, what would she think? What would Jesus do, people? I'm being silly here, but my point is real. If you're being true to yourself, which is a prerequisite to being true to others, then wouldn't you really be showing up in all areas in the same way? Of course you can have different energy levels or different moods in different states. That's not what I mean. It makes sense that you're going to behave differently at the Vikings game than at yoga class. This can take so many forms, but just an easy, somewhat obtuse example. Let's say you're screaming and cheering for the Vikings at the game, and at yoga class, you're focused, inward, you're in a calm, peaceful state. It looks and feels different, but both states are functional. They are congruent with each other. They express an integrity. Now, by contrast... Let's say someone spills their drink on you from the row above you at the game. And just for the sake of example, let's say you turn around and swear at the guy and make him feel worse than he probably already does. Would yoga you do that? Why am I asking you 
to look at your integrity. Simply because your integrity is directly related to your level of joy, peace, and bliss you're able to feel. Every time you act out of integrity with your values you have chosen, consciously or unconsciously, by the way, that act creates a ripple effect in your body on a cellular and systemic level and also throughout your life. Remember the famous Newtonian physics law, every action has an equal and opposite reaction? I think that might be Newton's third law or something like that. The universe just acts like that. Not only that, your life will simply work better in all areas when you have integrity in your life. Be careful not to judge here. This isn't about right versus wrong. It's simply about seeing what is and choosing to improve upon it or not. The swearing at the game thing is more blatant than how it typically shows up. More likely it's something like maybe you set yourself a goal for losing some fat so you can run a faster 5k or look better at the beach or what have you. But every night you choose to eat a pint of ice cream after dinner. Now is that behavior in integrity with your stated goal of losing fat? Probably not, right? It's not that eating ice cream is wrong, it's just that it's out of integrity with what you said your goal was. So you either have to change one behavior or one goal in that situation if you want to be in integrity. And if you're going to continue to be out of integrity, it's not going to feel good. You're going to always have that dissonance in your head. You're not going to probably enjoy the ice cream and you're not going to lose the fat. If you can root out these little insidious bliss busters, you'll be more effective and find more enjoyment in everything you do. Let me know what you find out as you do this work. If you want to share, you can share with the rest of us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash vibrant potential. Until next week, here's to your vibrant potential. Visit drchrisfrickman.com for more cutting-edge content, including nutrition and detoxification advice, unique fitness videos, and more.